questions you always had. The answers you were never given. The place to seek the truth. Welcome to Veritas. Dinesh claims to be a Seda Gray, who died and reincarnated as a human to assist with the Ascension program on Earth. What's unique about her reincarnation is that she claims to have had the opportunity to keep her Seda ET consciousness alongside her developing Earth human consciousness. She wanted to experience what Earth human abductees experience and why there is so much trauma in being quote-unquote taken in real ET abductions alongside MyLab abductions. She lives in Australia and is here on a mission to help humans evolve. She talks in depth about the controllers and the entire history of ETs on the planet over the long history. She gives the, the them the name of Reptarians from the Drake race, but as others have stated, certain reptilian races claim to have been born on Earth, and so they feel that their being here first makes humans the quote-unquote outsiders as we were designed later by the Creator gods, as she states. We will delve into the control system on Earth, including religions and how they keep humans divided. She also talks specifically about the real Garden of Eden on Earth and its location and the real reason for its existence. You are listening to Veritas. If this is your first time, welcome home. To listen to tonight's full interview and all of our material, join the Veritas family and click on the subscribe button at veritasradio.com. You can make your purchase with a credit card, PayPal, cash, check, money order, and even cryptocurrency. We are now accepting Bitcoin, Litecoin, and Ethereum. Don't forget to visit the Veritas store for focused life force energy, MMS, CBD pure hemp oil, Divinia water, pure organic sulfur, flash drives with all our Sanitas and Veritas seasons, and other great products. And if you want to get in touch with Mel, want to be a guest on this radio program, have a guest suggestion, or have feedback, just click on the contact button of our website at veritasradio.com. And if you're listening on YouTube, like, subscribe, and share it. And click the bell to be notified when new interviews are available. And now, here's your host, Mel Fabregas. Judy Carroll was born in Queensland, Australia, in 1952. Her family background is Creole, English, and Romani, Gypsy. She left school to become a professional flamenco dancer, following in the footsteps of her grandmother, who was a dancer and clairvoyant, medium in the Romani tradition. Judy feels that this background helped her to assimilate the encounters she's had with gray ETs since early childhood. Sixty years of these ongoing and at times fully conscious encounters have given her a deep insight into this phenomenon that is happening to many thousands of people worldwide. The ET visitors advise her to meditate so as to facilitate easier telepathic communication and to study Tai Chi and natural healing. In 2011, Judy attended a meeting on an ET ship that involved a discussion on the past and present situation of Earth, including the hijacking of the planet many millennia ago. In light of this, she wrote a book on the ET history of Earth, the hijacking of the planet by a rebel force and the subsequent manipulation of scriptural accounts of events that took place in the distant past. The title of her book is Extraterrestrial Presence on Earth, Lessons in History, which will be the focus of tonight's interview. Judy Carroll joins us directly from Australia. Hello, Judy, and welcome to Veritas. 
Hi, Mel. I'm very happy to be here and speaking to everybody. Great to have you. First of all, let me ask you, are you affected by the current fires and have they dissipated somewhat with some rain? Um, we haven't had them too badly here in, in Queensland. We did have a, a couple of days of very smoggy air conditions, which I felt sorry for people who have asthma, etc. Um, they've been more down south than New South Wales and Victoria. They've been very, very bad there. Um, they have eased somewhat. Um, I think all the amazing prayers and healing that were sent to Australia from the whole planet um, has helped hugely because not long after all that started, it began raining down there and that was exactly what they needed. So as far as I know, everything settled down. Um, the air conditions are still very bad in Sydney. They were, they were saying on the news the other night it's worse than Beijing. So um, but I think now they've had a bit of rain that's starting to ease that back as well. Wonderful. And being that you are in Queensland, I take it that you know Mary Rodwell. Oh, yes, very well. She, um, I love Mary. She's real sweet. She does amazing work. Great. She's a, a great, uh, a great uh, person that we love on this show. But let's start from the beginning of your life, unless you want to start from even before. When and where were you born? Okay, well, I was born here in Queensland, um, but before I chose rebirth, um, I had some decisions to make because as you spoke about in your introduction, um, I actually died to a grey life not very long before. And we were in the process of carrying out a mission here that I was involved in, and I wanted to continue with this mission. Um, and I also wanted to link up with the friends and family that I was working with in that past life, um, again, to work together this time. So I chose birth here in Queensland, as did several of our other people. And what I also um, chose to have was what could be called a blended soul consciousness, um, which I'll explain. Um, there are a few of us down here who've chosen to come into Earth life as blended souls. Susie Hansen is another one. You've probably heard of Susie Hansen in mm -hmm. New Zealand. Um, she does a lot of work up on the, up on the ships as well. Um, what this actually means is that we're energetically connected to two rather than the usual one planetary culture. This is a conscious pre-birth choice. And it's made to enable us to carry out work as ambassadors between Earth plane humanity and other star cultures. So I was a Zeta Gray in my last life, so I chose to retain that connection um, as well as establish a connection in the present life with Earth plane humanity. In this way, my consciousness spans both cultures, and this enables me to understand the ET Earth human contact from both sides, which is very, very helpful. I can help other people through this. Um, the, there were some difficulties. My Earth human childhood was very confusing because I had voluntarily closed off the um, off-planet part of my consciousness for some years. Um, I did this so I could fully experience the Earth human fear of ET visitation firsthand. I needed to do this to provide me with deeper understanding. At the same time, an awareness of my grey ET reality was always present hidden away just beneath the surface so as a child my mind was caught between fear of this contact and a yearning for my off-planet existence um, it's very hard to describe it's almost like there's two brains operating in your head um, and they're sort of aware of each other but not quite <laughs> um, so it, it didn't make for a very easy childhood 
um, I was aware of something strange going on all through my childhood. Um, I never felt at home down here. I felt homesick for somewhere else, but I couldn't understand consciously what was wrong with me. Um, I was aware of going off at night during my sleep state, and my earth child consciousness was both terrified and fascinated by this. So there was a real two-way pull. Uh, I also had a strong sense of mission of being here for a specific reason, to carry out work of some sort. Um, so that's basically what went on in my childhood. I, I do have one memory, very clear memory, of actually being taken up our street by a tall, thin female being that I thought of as a grandmother figure, and she took me to board what I thought was a train. Um, and it took me years uh, to realise that there was no train station up the end of our street. It was a quiet cul-de-sac. And it wasn't until I awakened to the you know, full consciousness of my ET reality, I realised it was actually a ship I was taking on. It wasn't a train. But it was really funny because I used to na nag my real real life grandmother to take me back on the train again. It was fun because she had no idea what I was talking about. So you can see I was up against a few little problems as a child. I wanted to ask you what a blended soul is, but you you already responded to that. It's a, it's a mixture between Judy and did I say am I saying this right? Lorca? Yeah, and Lorca. Lorca. Okay. L Lorca. Okay. So <laughs> they pronounce the L like a, a fool. Say it again. L Lorca. L Lorca. L Lorca. Elorca. Elorca. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So it's a mixture of both. Are you basically walking two different paths at the same time? Yes, yes, basically, yeah. Um, <clears throat> what happens when, when my human body goes to sleep at night, my grey body steps out of it and goes up on the ship to do work, and I have some conscious memory of this work. I don't carry a huge amount back with me because a lot of the work that we do up there just wouldn't be able to be processed by my earth human brain. Um, remembering that down here we only operate through about 10% of our uh, potential consciousness um, and what we're doing upstairs is over a far greater range, like dimensional range than that. So a lot I wouldn't even be able to process, but some I can, just enough to know what I'm doing and, and um, you know what's going on up there. I can remember all that. <laughs> As I mentioned before we started, Sonny Sito, which I interviewed years ago, I remember yes. the story on how she, it, correct me if I'm wrong, but it's the craft that crashed in Roswell, New Mexico in 1947. Am I correct? Yes, yes. So were you in that craft as well? Well, look, I, I wouldn't like to come out and make such a huge statement as that. I was certainly involved in one of the crashes back then. There were a number of them. Um, and I also, we did know each other. Sani and I knew each other. We did work together in that past life. You know, I may have been, it may have been another crash. Um, I sort of purposely not brought that through. <laughs> That's fine. I, I understand. I mean, because you have to be yeah. so specific about it. But when yeah. you crashed, what caused the crashes of these craft? Because I always think... If these beings come here from so, so far away and yeah. they come here and they crash while they're landing, what caused the crash? Is it, well, being be, be told by certain military personnel who has come out and said it was radar? Yes, yes, it was It was equipment that was being used down here that interfered with the control systems. Um, what basically happened with the ships was um, they lost control because of this interference from down here. <clears throat> as far as I understand, um, 
there's a very, very strong riparian influence behind the military and world governments, all authorities down here. Um, so it was more or less done on purpose because we were starting to come back here and they wanted to stop us. Um, so, yeah, that basically lost control of the ships and they crashed. When you say riparian, are you referring to reptilians who live on Earth and that's why they're labelled reptarians? Yes, yes. I'm actually the one who came up right. with that label for them. To differentiate between them and the other reptilian races, the majority of reptilian races out in the cosmos are perfectly good, decent people. They're actually extremely protective. I know several of them who are down here in human form and they're lovely, lovely people. Um, so I don't want to... As many people do down here, they, they sort of bunch the whole lot together. Oh, all reptilians are evil, you know, and this isn't the case. The only ones who are causing problems down here are these reptarian ones because of the fact they hijacked the planet going back many, many millennia ago and they consider themselves the owner, owners of the planet and they don't want um, other people down here taking over. Um, so that's that's why they're causing all these problems um, in the ET contact field to cause fear. They're trying to cause maximum fear. We'll come back to the controllers later. But the problem yeah. you faced was that because of the mission, you would need to retain your ET identity, but you also had to fit in fully as Earth human. How did you do that as most people who reincarnate have no recollection of who they were before? Yeah, um, well, with great difficulty. Um, it's interesting because I, I just covered this question in an interview. A friend of mine and myself are doing a series of YouTube interviews that are up on our YouTube channel. And this was one of the questions that came, you know, how do you integrate being an ET down here? Um, <clears throat> and if I remember rightly, what I answered was um, with a great degree of difficulty, um, and a lot of it depends on the way you're brought up, I very, very carefully chose my family. I, I was born into a family, as you read in the, in the introduction, a family of very mixed racial heritage um, with a great-grandmother who was a psychic medium clairvoyant um, with the Romani tradition behind her. Now, all the tribal people are very, very open to the possibility of life on other planets, etc. In fact, the Aboriginal people here have a very close link with the off-planet people. So I was born into a family who were very open on all these things. Um, so, you know, I, I, I wasn't fighting sort of against any heavy traditions against it all through my childhood. Whatever I came out with, my family were very um, sort of casual with the whole thing um because i had i had a lot of trouble going to school because the school system down here but again my parents were very understanding they were very kind people and helped me all they could so i obviously made a good choice with my family um again with religion they were spiritual people but they weren't overly religious although i was educated in a catholic convent um but again i want this this is all been planned because my main mission down here is to try to explain spirituality from the cosmic perspective and to show the parallels between earth plane religion and cosmic spirituality. So I needed a good grounding in belief systems down here. So this actually helped me um, in my work. I'm finding it really handy. I remember when Sunny told me, I feel trapped in a human body. Do you feel trapped yeah. in a human body? 
Uh, yes, yes, to a certain point, um, but at the same time, um, I chose it, so, you know, I just get on with it. Most most of the time, it's, it's fine, you know, just occasionally you feel a bit, you know, homesick and you wish you could get back. Um, the, the beauty of it is I do consciously have recall of being up on the ship, so that does help an awful lot. I remember many, many years ago, I was taken up to have an implant put in, and um, when it was time for me to go, I, I really... You know, did did the old star jump like cats do? You know, when you're trying to put a cat into a carrier uh, basket, and they put both put, uh, all their four feet out to stop putting them in. And I was just about doing this at the door of the ship, and I was in tears and saying, "I don't want to go back. I don't want to go back." And the poor little greys who were with me, they were all saying, "But you've got to, you've got to go back. You can't stay here." Um, and then I blanked out and ended up down here. But that's that's about the most traumatic experience I've ever had. Most of the time, I manage okay. When you say you remember, you you feel like uh, you belong somewhere else, does that mean that yeah. you remember your quote-unquote home planet? Well, with many of the greys, um, I, I, I very closely relate with the Zetas, and yes, some of them do live on planets, but in my last Zeta life, I lived mainly on the ship. We used to be doing the work we carried out was sort of, how can I say, ecological work on various planets and the adaption of, of various species to planets. So we spent a lot of time on the ship. The ship is more home to me than a planet um, in that side of my consciousness. What happened in March of 1983? March, yes, March 1983, yes, yes, full awakening. Um, I actually had a daytime encounter in which I recognised my ET visitors as family. Um, I'd had contact before then. I didn't know who they were because we had no such thing as Roswell or any of those things here in Australia. ETs or the possibility of extraterrestrials just wasn't a part of life here. So I was aware of these beings coming to me. Um, I vaguely knew what they looked like, but consciously I didn't know who they were I used to think of them as being Davic you know part of the nature spirit kingdom which is sort of correct in a way anyway um, but yes this particular day um, my husband's family were visiting and I started feeling like I was coming down with the flu in the afternoon mid-afternoon mid, mid full daylight so I excused myself and went upstairs to lie down in a quiet bedroom at the back of the house and um, the next thing that happened was um, I went into the body paralysis state, which a lot of people are familiar with, and I started hearing this loud roaring buzzing sound in my head that was giving me a headache. Next moment I became aware of, I think there was about three of the greys standing in the room and they were so solid they were blocking out the light coming in through the window. Uh, my eyes were closed, but I was obviously looking at them through my third eye. And um, as soon as I saw them, any fear that I had, because I had been scared with this paralysis, but as soon as I saw them, all my fear just disappeared. And it was like this sudden, oh, my God, they're my family. They're family. And, and this huge joy sort of rose up in me. It was absolutely beyond words, this connection. Um, and it was then that I was reminded consciously of my assignment down here and a massive download of information and advice was given to me regarding the work we're carrying out on Earth and the part I was to play in it. It was basically reminding me. And they then went into detail on further studies that I needed to do in order to undertake my role to the best of my ability. 
So they advised me to learn to meditate so as to facilitate telepathic communication with them. Um, and they also advised me to study Tai Chi because of the fact that I was a dancer. I was a very physical person and I tried to meditate a couple of times and was having trouble with it. And so the, the brave visitors told me, look, take up Tai Chi and this will help you to move into meditation because Tai Chi is, is moving meditation, which I, I didn't know at the time. I didn't even know what Tai Chi was. Um, and I actually said to them, well, what's that? Thank you for listening. To unlock the full two-hour interview, including video formats, downloads, transcripts, exclusive articles, and more, subscribe to Veritas Plus now. Gain access to our entire archive dating back to 2008. Just click subscribe at veritasradio.com. Because you don't want to believe, you want to know. Subscribe now. To listen to the rest and all of our exclusive material, proceed to the Veritas Plus member section or join the Veritas Plus family by subscribing. Click on the subscribe button at veritasradio.com. Don't forget to visit the Veritas store for focused life force energy. Get a 15-day free trial today with no credit card required. And if you want to get in touch with Mel, want to be a guest on this radio program, have a guest suggestion, or have feedback, just click on the contact button on our website at veritasradio.com. Now, proceed to the Veritas Plus member section or subscribe to listen to the rest of the interview. You don't want to miss it because you don't want to believe. You want to know. What are you waiting for? Subscribe now at veritasradio.com.